everyone and welcome once again to the soldiers of cinema podcast i'm clark coffee and with me as always is mr cullen mcfader how are you doing cullen good good how are you're you good you're yes. here you had some bad eggs and your stomach was a little some popeye's chicken and some bad <laughs> eggs yes <laughs> but you but you but you've rebounded and here you are well uh-huh. good i'm glad to have you today episode 64 we are going to be we're going to do something kind of unique which i'm pretty excited about Today, we're going to be discussing actually two films. Mm-hmm. We're going to be discussing 2022's Barbarian. So right off the bat, this is something new. We're going to be discussing a current or like, you know, I would still consider A new release, current. yeah. People are still talking about it. It's on HBO Max, I think. People are checking it out still for the first time. So we're going to be discussing Barbarian. But we're also going to be discussing your film, the film that you had worked on, what was it? Did you work on that 2021, 2022? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I wrote it in 2020 and, and we shot okay. it in 2021, yeah. Okay, so shot it in 2021. We're going to be discussing your film and your film's title is... Daylight Again. Daylight Again. Yeah. And the reason that we're going to be kind of discussing both of these films in this episode is because, and and I agree with you, Cullen, after having seen your film uh, just this morning, these two films share a lot they have mm-hmm. a lot of similarities, and so I'm going to be really interested to kind of pick your brain on the on the creation production of your film, and and get your take on on you know when you when you see another film who's had that's had great success like Barbarian has, mm-hmm. and it's so similar in so many ways to yours. Kind of like get your thoughts on some of that, you know, like what yeah. was that like, and you know, did you see things that you thought, hey man, I did that better, or the vice versa, <laughs> hey man, I wish I would have thought of that for mine, and yeah. we're gonna get into it. We're gonna talk a little bit about Barbarian first, kind of like we do on most of our previous episodes, but then we're mm-hmm. gonna kind of shift into uh, this discussion of your film as well. So I'm really excited yeah. about this. A couple firsts for us here at the Soldiers of Cinema podcast. Yeah. So. So and I, I just want to jump in real quick, too, and just yeah, say yeah. that um, because these are new releases, as you said, um, and we usually do older movies, um, yeah. you know, we are going to be talking about these in detail and spoiling them right. and stuff like that. Um, yep. So especially with Barbarian, um, I saw Barbarian with no uh, knowledge, prior knowledge going in. I didn't even see a trailer. So this is a movie yep. that I would definitely recommend seeing before you know anything. So if you're listening yes. to the podcast... Um, I think it's on Disney Plus or HBO or something like that. Um, depends on your country. Uh, I think yeah, it depends it's on where HBO you are. Max here in the, um, in the States, Disney Plus. But definitely, yep. I would recommend watching it first. And then my movie, Daylight Again, um, is available for free on YouTube as well. Um, it's uh, under my uh, YouTube channel called Postromo Pictures. Um, so if you want to perhaps be a little bit more, uh, you know, in tune with our conversation today, um, Pause the podcast, check out the two movies, and then come back. We'll still be here. Um, and uh, yeah, just wanted to say that because again, usually we're re- reviewing kind of older movies and talking about older movies that that have you know been spoiled to death. Um, whereas these two are quite new and recent. So I think for anyone listening, um, I'd recommend yeah go check them out and and take a listen after. Yep, and we can also we'll put a link, uh, Colin, to your film um, mm-hmm. in our description. Sure. So, yeah, yeah. so that just in case, you know, if you're having trouble finding it, we'll just put the link directly to it in the description. <clears throat> so please check there. And I agree. 
it, it's going to be a lot better if you've seen this film. We don't want to spoil anything. So, and we'll just sit here and wait. We'll just yeah. be waiting in, in, in your in your phone or wherever else you listen to podcasts. We'll just sit here and wait patiently. Mm-hmm. I've got some snacks. I've got some water. And so, you know, don't take too long, though, you know, because we've only get, can hold out for so long. But, yeah. Yeah. But we'll be here when you get back. <laughs> oh, you've got to be kidding me. Yeah. This is 476 Barbary, right? Yeah, I'm renting this place. No, I booked it a month ago. Are you sure you have the right place? Yeah. Who are we supposed to do? Why don't you come inside and we'll call these idiots. Why don't you just crash here? Oh, no. I don't know if you got a great look at this neighborhood, but I don't think you should be out there by yourself. It's dry and there's a lock on the door. By the way, I'm Keith. Tess. You take the bedroom and I'll sleep out here on the couch. Perfectly natural. Barbarian was your pick, mm-hmm. and I can definitely see why that was the case. But tell me a little bit about uh, your first impressions with the film. Yeah. Um, so I, again, as I just said, I, I knew nothing about this movie. So it came out either, I don't know if it was when I was away. I was away for th- three and a half months this summer. And so it either came out when I was away or just after I got back. That was prison, um, but I had, right? I, uh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was in <laughs> for, for tax fraud, tax evasion. Um, We're joking. And I finally got back. Yeah, got out of the pen. And uh, um, no, but but it was um, it was interesting because like yeah, usually I'm quite tuned into things like this and kind of know, yeah. especially a movie that's kind of up my alley like this. I would I would know about it going into it and, and now are you and a horror seen... fan like what yeah no i i definitely okay. like i like horror i like high concept horror like this um especially okay. um and so yeah I, I hadn't even seen a single trailer i hadn't seen i hadn't read any anything about the plot i literally had seen the poster and had a friend recommended that i 
you know, check it out. Um, okay. And uh, they didn't tell me anything either. Um, I went pretty much at the end of its theatrical run here, so I got to see it in theaters. Um, again, knowing nothing, the theater was was mostly not filled, but there were probably five or six other people in theater with me. Um, and I just was really, really like kind of taken for a ride, which I think is very much intentional on Zach Kreger, who is the director and writer's part. Um, you know, he describes his writing process for this movie being something where he was like, I had no long-term plan and, and mm. basically says that if I was surprising myself, then I was happy with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can definitely feel that. Like, I mean, I was sitting in the movie, um, and we'll get into more detail about this in a bit, but, um, just, I'm sure you kind of had a similar experience. Cause I don't know how anyone wouldn't, um, where you're just every time a new feature of the, the story is kind of unfolding. You're like, where the hell is this thing going? Um, mm. And so I, I really enjoyed it for that. You know, it's it's not too often, unfortunately, these days where you go and see a movie that kind of takes you by surprise and kind of, you know, you can't really predict where it's going and where it's going to end up. Yeah. Um, and I love that feeling. You know, I love, I love not knowing what's happening. Um, you know, there's a great moment that cuts from one thing and then suddenly you're in a completely different location and it's like you know i guess the start of the opening really of the second act in a way um and i remember when that happened i i laughed out loud audibly in the theater because i just was like i have no idea what's going on in a very good way though not in a you know negative way so that was kind of my first reaction i i I really liked it um okay knew nothing about it which was great and i was really glad that i didn't um and and had a great time with it okay what uh what about you yeah, so you know, I kind of a similar situation uh, in the sense that I didn't know anything about it. I, I mean, I had, I think I'd like seen the thumbnail, you know, on a on a plane or something, but I've never watched mm-hmm, films right. for the first time on a plane because I, I refuse to watch. I refuse to watch anything like that on a tiny little crappy screen. Yeah, but yeah. um, but I I had seen the thumbnail. I kind of heard a little bit about it, you know, that it was that it was popular, that it was doing well. But I didn't know anything about the story. I didn't know anything about the filmmaker. I didn't know anything at all about it um and so it went through its theatrical run and i didn't go see it and then my brother uh i had apparently caught it on hbo max out here and he was like hey uh i think you should check this film out i think you would like it and so i uh i ended up catching it uh you know a couple days later at his uh referral and uh so yeah so i watched it at home i watched it alone uh, my wife refuses to watch horror movies for the most part, so I could not convince her to watch this with me. She was like, uh-uh. She took a look at the cover and the name, and she was like, no, no, yeah. I'm not watching that. I'm not watching that. So so I stayed up late after she went to bed one night, and I watched it alone um, at home. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I think this film has a lot has a lot to like. Um, I, I don't know if I'm in love with it as much as you are. Mm-hmm. And I've been trying to kind of figure out an articulation of why that is. Right, right. The movie is obviously very successful. It, it was extremely successful commercially, and it was extremely successful critically. I mean, I'm looking right now at Rotten Tomatoes, and it's got you know a 92% tomato meter, right? Mm-hmm. Hugely successful film. Now, I, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that I think that it's a bad film, but I just don't know that I'm on the hype train that mm-hmm, a lot mm-hmm. of people seem to be on about this film. Um, 
So, you know, some of the things that I liked, like I, I think, for instance, like what you had talked about, you'd really enjoyed how we, we changed gears pretty radically, um, both like temporally and geographically in the film where we're, you know, we're in the house and it's this like Airbnb, you know, confusion. And there's this, you know, great tension and it kind of plays up, you know, it, and it, um, the, the fear that a woman would have in this kind of situation. I think it did a really good job of illustrating that and really riding that tension and ratcheting that up. Um, and then boom, now we're Justin Long's driving down the Malibu coastline or wherever he is, you know, and, 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 and you know, uh, and I just want to pause here and say for a second, I really love Justin Long in this film. I, I like Justin Long in general, but I really like him in this film. Um, yeah, yeah, he's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, he really is. You know, like when he was doing, I had like the, the, the ever so slightly tiniest little brush with him. When I lived in L.A., I lived in Franklin Village. And uh, at one of the homes that I lived in, I lived upstairs. This house was like divided into into apartments, one downstairs, one upstairs. And he was like the friend of one of the people who lived downstairs. So he would like kind of come in and out. Unfortunately, this was when he was doing the Mac PC commercials, right? It's what he was mostly known for. Unfortunately, I never got to meet him. And I never got to, you know, talk to him or anything. But anyway, there's my my tiny, super little, you know, ever so barely brief uh, touch with Justin Long. But, but yeah, I love him in this. And I thought, you know, that whole thing was good. And then we kind of, you know, we go back to the, we're in the house and the basement. And then, you know, at, at a certain point we jump to back in time and now we're with another character and then we come back to the basement. So there is, I think that's interesting, but maybe as we talk through this, I'll kind of be able to find my way to articulate. There was just something I don't know, you know, maybe, I don't know, but we'll, maybe we'll fi find out. But it was, so again, I, I enjoyed the film, but I was far from being on the hype train that seems to exist for it, you know? Um, well, I, I think that makes sense because it was quite, um, it was quite divisive for audiences, I will say. Like oh, you can yeah? You see that the audience score on Rotten Tomatoes is much lower than the critic score, I believe. Um, yeah, I know. I saw a lot of, of reviews of this of people being like, they don't get what what the hype is, and, and really not liking it. I, I don't, as far as I can tell, you didn't really not like it. But no, um, no, I didn't. I I've didn't seen, not yeah, like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've seen a lot of people say that they like like that it was it was awful and things like that. So it's actually no, interesting no. that um, that it did uh, really kind of divide. Um, audiences and of course again not saying that you're on you're on that side of it um, but it is it always fascinates me when you see a movie that that kind of people there's a huge swath of people that really love it and there's a huge swath of people that really really don't like it huh um, and perhaps we can figure out why that is yeah um, well and that's interesting I mean I didn't know there was such a division on it I, I kind of felt like everything I had heard was really complimentary of the film and really mm -hmm. you know really loving it uh, so I actually didn't realize that existed I mean I I think having you know a, a really people either really love it or they really hate it is usually kind of a good thing right because mm -hmm. yeah i think that's indicative of a filmmaker who's made really strong choices yeah. and yeah. either people really love those choices or they dislike them but it's not a middling film and i think you know middling films are probably you know the the, the super inoffensive they're they're, they don't say anything. They have they're no safe, opinion yeah. or perspective. They're super safe. Well, yeah, you know, whatever. Yeah, it's it's you know oatmeal. So the you, mm -hmm. you know the the cinematic equivalent of of oatmeal with nothing in it. You know, 
<laughs> and I like I don't want cold oatmeal for my cinema experience. I, mm. I don't I definitely don't think that's this film. Um but uh but yeah, I mean let let's kind of go into a discussion of it and maybe some you know, maybe we can tease out some more of my thoughts here. You know, sometimes I just get that. I don't know about you, but it's like as much as I love you know, obviously I love cinema and obviously mm-hmm. I enjoy yeah. talking about cinema, but I do find on occasion where you know something just doesn't really press my buttons and all in, in exactly the right way and it, and it takes me a long time to articulate to kind of find my way to an articulation of why it's just a feeling yeah you know no that makes sense yeah 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 and it's and i'm just because it's like it, it clearly the technical aspects of the film are extraordinary i think the soundtrack is great i think the cinematography for the most part is good performances are good and fun again especially justin long um i so so yeah so maybe well yeah i actually i i do have to say that the the one aspect that i think excites me the least about the movie is the cinematography Um, okay not that it's in any way poorly done um yeah it's it's it's, you know well done it's not poorly lit or anything like that um but i find that it doesn't really equal the creative trajectory of the plot you know the, okay. the movie Tell me more. goes in all these different directions and kind of takes a lot by surprise and things like that and the cinematography for the most part is pretty safe and standard yeah. um you know like there's nothing really that crazy going on and you think about something like again like a texas chainsaw massacre or something like that where you've got you know this high octane 16 yeah. millimeter like really well, kinetic camera and it's just i mean you're crazy gonna and, Almost mm. every horror movie is going to lose in its comparison to Texas Chainsaw yes. Massacre, yeah, yeah, in my yeah. opinion. I, I mean, um, that's, you know, so that's, <laughs> I mean, but but I, I mean, I, you know, just to extrapolate a little bit off what you're saying, I mean, I did feel like there was a lot of redundancy. And, mm. you know, just as an example, I felt like, you know, especially when we're in the house in that first act, and I know everybody, this is kind of nitpicky, but I think it, it aggregates to something. It's just like every single camera move felt to me like it was we're, we're pushing in on a dolly. Everything mm-hmm. we're pushing, you know, everything is like a slow push in. Yeah, slow he, push he cited in. Fincher for that. Like, oh, like that he said that he wanted to do kind of like a just Fincher thing for the over, upstairs. And, over. and yeah, it everything's a dolly or everything's very like a still kind of slow pan over. Yeah. yeah. So it definitely I found that that was the Heavy-handed. side of the film that that it, it excited or yeah it excited me the least um and then even well, when they get down to the basement it just kind of immediately switches from that to like just a lot of handheld and things like that like there's not a I lot guess, of yeah i guess you know as i said i mean i mean i feel like you know this this like repetitive like kind of um, maybe like overly self-conscious camera work in the beginning mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like and maybe that's it i mean maybe it's like trying so hard to be somebody else like fincher with yeah. this like really on the note like this really pushy score now it's not that i didn't like the score but it's like really pushy yeah, yeah. it's like it's like it, it's like they just they're really trying hard and i felt like it sometimes they were trying too hard with the setup like mm-hmm. we really want you to be tense right now we really really want you to see that you know this woman is in this like super tense situation and and we yeah. really want you to think this guy's bad we really I, really really want you to think that this guy is going to hurt her and i i get it right but mm-hmm. it, i guess at a certain point i was like i was almost like i get it guys i get it i get it i get it you yeah, know yeah. like no you, and i think that, that probably a variance. lot of that comes from and and i i i um agree with you and i actually like i think that this 
as a, a movie, it's far from perfect. I think the thing that I love about it is just that it, it really, it's one of those movies that kind of like masked its flaws with just kind of carrying me on, on the, the, yeah. the journey of the story. And I think watching yeah. it a second time, I was actually able to, to pick out a lot of the things that I, I didn't love about it, which was, you know, yeah, and, thankfully and again, I didn't I, get to see it a second time. And my, yeah, my point is not to, to like nitpick a film to death or anything. And mm-hmm. I mean, if, if, if anybody's listened to all of our previous episodes, that's not what we do. You know, I'm, I'm not here to like bash the film or anything. I, it, it, it's kind of like a like a post-mortem to try to kind of suss out. It's like, okay, you're sussing out choices, you know? Yeah, how'd you feel about like it? Yeah. Filmmakers ourself, it's like we're trying to learn. So just to give some context, I mean, I, well, I, 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 I don't think, ever um, approach it from the perspective of I want to beat up someone's film either, you know? That's never, ever, because there are really good things in it, so... And I think the cause of that might be the fact that it was originally written as a short. Mm, and yeah. I don't know what the short like what remains of the short but if right. i had to guess when you're doing a short film that's 20 minutes and the short film was supposed to just be that intro with the two of them in the house and it was about a girl who goes to an airbnb it's double booked and it's like a girl basically ignoring red flags of a situation yeah um and so if i had to guess the stuff that you're referring to and, and that i frankly agree with you on um is likely a hook a carryover from that where it's like mm. in a short film you have so little time to really establish those things so you really need to gotta, drive them home immediately you gotta drive it yeah um and so yeah it's like he you know he makes her the tea she doesn't touch it then he waits for her to come out with the the wine bottle and it's like and then, hey yeah. I, I want and he goes on that rambling thing and yep. so i can imagine that that is something that yeah definitely kind of carried over i don't know how the original short film was supposed to end if he was actually supposed to be guilty in that and be a predator right. or if, if who knows he was, it'd um, be interesting because and, and, i guess like i i want I, I you know it's like music right it's like you don't want to hear the same tone over and over and over again right you mm-hmm, want mm-hmm. you want like a dynamic range in you know you want the melody to shift some and then come back to a motif and then go you know and I yeah, guess I yeah. just felt like it was just over and over and over like the same thing and I mm-hmm. want to be kind of misdirected like let me think he's a really nice guy for a second and then so, you know like 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 push and pull don't mm-hmm. do, it's just hitting the same note so yeah. to me I felt like. It was however long that first, how, I don't know, however long that act is, 15 minutes or something, I can't recall. It just did feel a little bit, you know. Um, and then, you know, and then there's some other things that it's like, you know, I, um, I'm, I'm all for films who have a logic of their own. I, I mm-hmm. totally am. And I'm definitely for films not having to, to be perfectly logical. And I, I mean, I love that films can embody like a dreamlike quality and they don't have to make rational sense I, I love all of that, but sometimes things just kind of stand out to me. Like I can accept some wackiness in some films and for some reason I can't accept some wackiness in others. And it's like when she wakes up and she's like outside in the daylight for the first time. And it's like, this neighborhood is literally like apocalyptically horrible. It's right? Detroit. Like, <laughs> no, I, right. And I don't know. I, I, I don't think it was really shot in Detroit. I don't think that's uh, the, no, the, it, so everything that's not on the street was actually shot in Detroit. So like, as soon as but, she's walking the neighborhood, that was all real. Detroit. But it's like, but it's like, here's this perfect house that's mm-hmm. supposedly owned by this TV star or movie yeah. star, or whoever this guy is, right? Uh, I can't remember if he was in TV or film, but some actor, some known actor, mm-hmm. owns this like perfectly well maintained home in a totally destroyed neighborhood that nobody in their right mind would ever go into, like a completely yeah. abandoned neighborhood. Yeah. Right. 
I'm like, these two people are going to Airbnb this house? You got to be shitting me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, that, that it, it is kind of like... They really drive the the aspect of like this now, is an abandoned neighborhood home. Well, I mean, and and I've I, driven through Detroit, and so and there are certainly neighborhoods ask, like that. So but he, there's you don't see again, like you said, you don't. There's not there's so, not this. So here's the question: Why? Yeah. So here's what I want to ask. So because this is like what I do because I want to try to like okay. So why? What was necessary about that decision for the story to be told? Mm-hmm. Like, I guess I just the isolation element. This the idea that it. But it, why? If you're yeah. trapped in a basement. Aren't you isolated anyway? Mm-hmm. So I guess I, I've just sometimes I wonder why. Like, why do you make me jump through hoops to kind of ignore things if you didn't have to? I right. don't, you know. Right. And maybe there is a good reason. I mean, maybe the the filmmaker wanted to make a comment about the deterioration of neighborhoods, and you know, or maybe it's tied into kind of you know, I don't know. You know, I I get the house thing. This is common, and with your film too, right? Where you have a pretty veneer, so you have this pretty home, you have a pretty exterior, and that's what's on the surface. So that's mm-hmm. like the conscious, and then you have the subconscious, which is the scary, the dark, the cave, right? So you have happy, wonderful suburbia up top. You have scary, terrifying, horrible yeah, dungeon. Yeah. This is this is super. You know, this is of course everywhere, right? This mm-hmm. is heaven, hell. This is yeah. Uh, subconscious and conscious so I get all that but yeah I, you know just tiny little things it's like she steps outside and I'm like are you kidding me like presumably yeah. that you know I don't know I'm like okay so wow this house is so popular that two people booked it <laughs> well and I, yeah so that's I think that's the one thing that I I did kind of question the first time too is like also when she goes to the the interview um with the, yeah. the woman that she's supposed to be working with and she's like yeah. The woman is adamant that she shouldn't be staying in that neighborhood, but then yeah. just kind of lets her go. Any like she doesn't. She's not like, hey, come stay with me instead. Yeah, that I know. Kind of thing. Like or let's find you another place yeah. or anything. And, and there's I like mean, the, there's the conversation about like, oh, it's there's a medical conference in town and that. But yeah, like so if I were nose. to, and it, it, though I will say the one thing that does work in its favor, and it's really a split second moment, is the when that first night when she realizes that there's no key in the lockbox and she she hasn't actually taken in her surroundings at all right um and then she turns around and kind of looks around the neighborhood and sees that there's no lights on that there's nothing yeah that it does kind of hit you like oh that's a bit creepy like you kind of feel like someone's watching her but i think that um to your point i think you could have had the same effect and just had it be a little bit less apocalyptic or just like, you have know, the like, Airbnb, like, in a rural area. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, yeah. I don't know. But, you know... But then it would uh, be too I, much like daylight again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. And we will get to that. But, but you know, here's another thing. Like, so you mentioned that interviewer. Why did that, why did that scene even need to exist? Right, why is that right. scene even in the film? Mm-hmm. I'm sitting there and I'm bored. Mm-hmm. I, I need to see her interview? Why? Right. Yeah. What relevance does that have to anything that happens in the movie? Did I miss? I might have missed it, but maybe I you guess, can help I me. I guess. I mean, the functionality is that she leaves the house and then comes back, and and the she needs to have taken the key inside with the see. That's what makes me crazy and, you know. about. But movies. that's what I mean. Yeah, like when you can read this the plot kind function of stuff into, makes yeah. me crazy, and maybe this is get. I, I I guess I feel like so from my perspective and it's only my perspective and obviously there are many many other perspectives and many other very valid perspectives so this is just my opinion mm-hmm. i generally prefer 
my stories coming from a place of kind of the subconscious of the writer. And especially when it comes to horror, I really prefer my horror to be visceral. Right. And kind right. of primordial. And, and I don't mean in like the literal plot or monsters or something. I mean in the writing. I mean mm -hmm. in, you know, the point of horror to me is that it's a it's a way to to uncover and express the like deepest fears of humanity. Mm -hmm. And, and so I feel like it's very difficult to do that when you're, when you're analytical about it and you're um, calculating about it. I, mm -hmm, I feel mm -hmm. like at least for me and I know, yeah, that's, that definitely makes sense. Yeah. And, and I feel like this film, and I know that you said like the writer didn't know where it was going to go and but I don't know that I feel that in in the horror part of this. I can see that in kind of the plotting where it's like, OK, hard cut. We're in a totally different space with a totally different character. I, I can kind of see it. But I guess the film feels more conceptual to me than it does viscerally scary. Yeah. Well, what what I think might, again, be something that and this is all me guessing, um, but it could also, again, be the fact that that because it was written as a short initially and it was just this thing, that what often happens is when you add so much on the end of a short and turn it into a feature, you then have to go back to the initial short and be like, wait, and that make doesn't it all make work. sense and change and all these things. Yeah, and yeah. put put all these things in. And so I think that could be exactly what you well, mean. It's just that like he went back and was like, well, they need this doesn't make sense for that. This has to be here, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Um, I mean, there's also, yeah, like there's... And I don't know, I'm guessing, you know, who yeah, knows? Yeah. And, and, and maybe... You know, and obviously this is like very personal experience. I mean, it's I'm not even sure, but that that I'm kind of grasping here. But that's kind of maybe what it feels like a little to me, you know, um, is that it, it's less kind of that that nightmare kind of dream, kind of primordial, visceral fear mm -hmm. that we that's deep inside of us. You know, it's like versus kind of a conceptual like I'm gonna write a scary story, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I'm gonna, you know, and then fill calculate, in the blanks. Cal calculate that, right? Yeah. Um, no, that so makes I don't sense. Know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, but you know, but I could be totally off, right? If we had the director here, which would be awesome. If we did, we could ask. Um, yeah. But and I think, I think perhaps bit... again, the I think that that might be where our different experiences with the movie came from. Whereas I just, I didn't find myself thinking about that at all the first time yeah. I watched it. I was just kind of like swept up in the trajectory and the the momentum yeah. of the plot. And so I didn't even, like I it wasn't even this time, it wasn't even until this time I watched it that I realized a lot of that stuff. Or, or just the the fact that like one of the first things she does in the movie is ignore a call from her boyfriend or her ex-boyfriend, yeah. which doesn't really come up at all again. And I think... That also, again, likely is a holdover from the short film, which well, is like probably involved a little I could bit go out on a limb. I mean, I could kind of go out on a limb, maybe. I mean, you know, um, thematically, I think we see some really, like, some some, some themes here, right? Some mm -hmm. thematic themes, and maybe that's a part of it. But we, you know, obviously, like, in the, in the first act of the film, it's like, you know, we're the film does a good job of kind of illustrating how men and women have to approach situations very differently. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That we, the, the man who's in the house is not scared of her. 
He's mm-hmm. not afraid of her being a bad guy. He's not afraid of any violence being perpetrated on him by her, but she's terrified. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. like what happens in the real world. Like that's mm-hmm. how reality is for many people. Men take many, again, I'm not speaking for everyone, but I mean, in general, it's, um, I think it's much more common for a man to walk through life and not be afraid of situations like this as nearly as much as a woman might be, right? Yeah, well, it's like he so says that's... in the movie, like if, if he had shown up on to an Airbnb and a woman had been staying in it, he wouldn't have thought twice about yeah, going in exactly. and being like, I'll sleep on so, the couch, right? So yeah. the film is like really uh, working hard to express that, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then I think, uh, the film works really hard to show uh, Justin Long's character um, as the big, big, big part of his character, of course, is this um, the sexual assault or abuse charge mm-hmm. that has been brought against him. So it's a and continuation. And how he justifies it to himself. And how too. he justifies yeah. it to himself. Correct. And all of that. So so we're pulling this, narr- this thematic theme from the first act. Uh, and then, of course, what we find out is that you know, there's a little bit of a bait and switch and that the quote unquote mother, this kind of monster, so to speak, isn't actually the bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. The bad guy is the person that we see in the flashback. And I, is the character's name Frank? I can't remember. Yeah. I think Frank. Yeah. Frank. Um, he's, and we see him, he's kidnapping, torturing, presumably raping these victims who are women. And so that's what they've discovered in the house. And that's what Justin Long, that's who he bumps into. And he sees all these VHS tapes mm-hmm. of the recordings of these horrors. So, you know, and, he, and then, of course, we kind of come back to the end. And Justin Long uh, fails to be a protector or even a re- reasonably honorable person. And, mm-hmm. you know, try, is like totally willing to sacrifice the main character uh for his own life right yeah, uh, yeah. well end. you also so, have the moment that justin long sees the, the recordings of like yeah. all these you know right horrible we don't assaults and we don't we see don't, them but, but he, he turns around and is like you're a monster you're a, yeah and, yeah so there's it's so definitely there's, not so light-handed on its commentary <laughs> well so so clearly clearly the writer is writing this with like some strong narrative or you know mm-hmm. thematic theme you know themes that are traveling through the whole film Mm-hmm. So I don't know if the call from the boyfriend is a part of that thematically, if maybe there's a hint that, you know, because of the context that it's in, you know, um, she's obviously in another town. Maybe she's moving away. She's trying to find a job at another place where she mm-hmm. doesn't live. Mm-hmm. She's not taking a boyfriend's call. I'm assuming that this is an unhealthy relationship or one that she doesn't want or one that mm-hmm. she's trying to get away from. So... You know, it, this, there's like a pretty consistent narrative here uh, thematically. So that at least that's my take on it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Yeah, and, and I think that that, again, yeah. Um, I just, m- my curiosity is I wonder if in the short film version, if that came back in a larger way or if that mm. was just the same or if that maybe, maybe it was an addition to the feature. And I, that's one thing that I always, you know, I, that... It's like the double-edged sword of speculation is that I would love to read the short film yeah. and see what carries over. I um, couldn't even find the script. Like, yeah, uh, because, even the feature script, I couldn't even find it. So Yeah, and, but we won't get into this yet, but just because Daylight, again, also was based off of and, and started as, as a short, so it is interesting. Yeah, you know, well, to let's see, talk a little obviously... bit about that. Let's, sure. like, yeah. So, I mean, you know, um, obviously, like we said, you can go watch this for free, and I highly recommend you do so. I think it's a really entertaining and fun watch, so please take advantage of that opportunity. And, um, 
And if you haven't done so up until this point, pause, do so, and come back. Because we'll probably have some spoilers here for Cullen's film. So, yeah, well, this is a really cool opportunity, Cullen, because obviously you've got some inside information on this film, I'm imagining, since you wrote it. Just a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) So so tell me about, I'm really curious kind of now in the context of having, you know, just made this feature. When you saw Barbarian, like, what did you think? Were, Were you like oh my gosh, like, this is my film, or this is like, <laughs> whoa, this is so close, because I've seen both now, and it's yeah. like, wow, there's like a lot of similarities, so. Yeah, no, like, and, like, and they're primarily, I think, surface-level similarities, which yeah, is, yeah, yeah, is, yeah, yeah. is less suspicious to me, but, but, it's but no, fun. I actually, yeah. I it didn't, um, it didn't bother me in the slightest. It was actually a lot of fun, and I think, again, maybe one of the reasons that I had so much fun with the movie was because every time, because I knew nothing. I didn't know that going in. Yeah. And yet, like, down to, like, the costumes, like, the the outfit that Tess wears in Barbarian is almost identical to the outfit <laughs> that, like, there's a shot of, of Tess, you know, walking down a, a stairwell, and it's, like, the exact same thing in, yeah. in Daylight Again. And so I just, I thought it was honestly really, really funny and, and like, sure. really almost, like, excited me about the movie because I, 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 it was almost like seeing, like, a different version of the movie and... Being right. like, oh, someone that kind of has a similar idea and like, where do they take it? And it was, it kind of felt like a, a weird exercise when you give like, you know, I used to do this when I taught film classes where you give like three different groups the same script and see, or the same like, you know, pitch Premise. and they see yeah. where they go with it. Yeah. Um, and so it was, it was funny seeing that. And um, there were things that I really appreciated about Barbarian that I, I think I didn't do as well. Like I think Barbarian gets right into the the meat of it uh-huh. much quicker than my movie. Um, and of course, we're discussing right now too, the version that you saw was the final cut, which is very, very different from the theatrical cut that actually was shown at the premiere. There's there's huge differences. Yeah. Um, so the, the even the original theatrical cut takes like, there's like a 20 minute introduction that takes place before um, they well, get to the house. But let's uh, like dig into some of that. So, sure. I mean- Let's go back a little bit. I mean, you know, obviously we can only speculate about, you know, the writer of Barbarian and kind mm-hmm. of how that process went, you know, extrapolating from just small little pieces that that he shared, you know, in Q&As or, or whatnot um, in articles. But, you know, tell me about like a little bit about the conception of of your piece then. Right. Sure, so yeah. what were you what were you striving to do? Did, what were your inspirations and kind of just summarize in a nutshell, just in case people don't have an opportunity to see it, or maybe that, you know, kind of summarize kind of, you know, what that story ended up being. Um, mm-hmm. If you would. Yeah, mind. I can go. I can actually, I can go right from essentially the beginning, which is that um, a friend of mine approached me with an idea for a short film called Hector. And so his original idea, it was actually a short film that he had shot himself um and wanted to redo because he didn't really mm-hmm. like how it had turned out and it was basically about this person that like is in this house that he doesn't know he's staying at a cousin's house and there's a monster in the house and he has to like he basically does the childlike thing which is he holds the blanket over his head and hopes the monster will go away but it actually works and like the monster <laughs> it's, it's like the one defense against the monster is that it can't get through blankets and it's kind of i think it was only like three or four minutes long um and it so can't then we go through blankets yeah and it was like this little silly thing and um and so then i i got i was really interested in it but we had some time i think 
we shot it at his parents' house initially, and then we had about a month and a half before we could shoot there again because I think they were doing renovations or something. Uh-huh. And um, so we were like, well, let's actually take this and kind of maybe expand it and change it. And it changed pretty drastically into the short film Hector, um, which I think turned out about 10 minutes long. And so that one's about this guy who goes to his cousin's house and his cousin's not there. And um, his cousin's like, I'll be there tomorrow, but you don't know, meet my roommate Hector. He's there and just, you know, and there's like a list of rules about like, don't make too much noise. Don't touch the thermostat, blah, blah, blah. And he goes in and he immediately is kind of an asshole and he kind of breaks all the rules. And so the plot is set up as this sort of like in-house horror thing, but it's like, it's a bit of a comedy because it's just kind of a roommates having difficult growing pains together. And, but you never mm-hmm. actually see the other roommate and you're like, Oh, okay, what's going on here? And then it gets a little bit creepy. And then the ending, the twist is that it's actually like a Wendigo, which is this monster and that the roommate is dead. And it's been this Wendigo that has been kind of pissed off at him the entire night and eventually doesn't even kill him, just throws him out because he's like, you're breaking all the rules. And so <laughs> a little bit more comedy. Yeah. When COVID hit. We decided that we were going to write a feature and so we wrote okay. two other ones that kind of ballooned in budget. And then I said to Michael, I was like, why don't we um, take Hector and turn that into something? Because that could be done on a really low budget. It's basically one location and we can kind of keep that and maybe just expand yeah. a few of the characters and things like that. So the original drafts of of Daylight Again were much more similar to like, again, like a Texas Chainsaw Mat. Like it was like this kind of Sam Raimi-esque high octane like evil kinetic dead. horror yeah. action with a lot of gore with mm. these big set pieces um and many more characters and things like that like there was actually another person living in the house named jackson who was kind of the primary conflict with Artie, who was the main character originally the, the man um and then we just kind of realized like okay this is going to be way too complicated we had no money so we were like this is going to be too complicated we can't afford this many actors we can't afford this many special effects right um so let's pare this down and one of the ways that we did that and it was a friend of mine mandy who who actually kind of made this recommendation where she was like well a way to raise the stakes is to make the main character a woman because a woman being in a house with a man alone is a lot different than like a man going to it yeah well and, and, so, and let's pause i want to pause yeah, for a sure. second because i think this is really important right this is this is a an extremely important trope in the genre of horror film right mm-hmm that you the the victim is 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 often right there's the last girl right yeah. this is like yeah. a known thing um you know victims are often women and that's it's it's a big part of horror and i think this is partly what we're starting to see is you know twists on that or you know different takes on that trope mm-hmm. Uh, as our culture, that, yeah. as culture shifts, and yeah, as our culture, cultural awareness, and like just you know, culture in general shifts. But um, but I think what you just said is is important, and and I mean, and it speaks to kind of what I was just saying, right? That it's like in Barbarian, we're really shown very specifically how different a woman has to move through these situations than a man, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's kind of what you just were, you know, kind of illustrating too, is like, well, look, if you want to raise the stakes, then you you put a woman in the situation and an audience is automatically, instantly, subconsciously going to understand that that character is at greater risk than if Mm -hmm. they were a man, Mm -hmm. which is unfortunate, obviously. And the character is going to know that too, right? Like they're automatically going to be more suspicious and, and so it was actually a really interesting switch, um, but they were also original. They were still cousins, um, like Maggie, who turned into Maggie from Artie, were still cousins. Per and Peter, 
Um, and it was still primarily centered around Peter being out of the house for the most of the movie. And he just kind of comes into the third act. And it was, it was, a, it was about this dynamic between Maggie and Jackson who don't know each other at all, who really don't get along. And then there's obviously all these secrets about, you know, spoiler, the cannibalism and all that. Um, and Hector was in the basement. Um, and so it still was just, again, I still couldn't figure out how without any money we were going to do this. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And so I thought, okay, let me just take like a break from it for a moment, watch some other stuff, spend a month just like looking at taking in other types of, of thrillers and things like that. Cause again, we'd been looking at a ton of Toby Hooper, Sam Raimi, all these, that sort of thing. What um, ended up being like a big, like some of the biggest inspirations for so, you? For yeah. The so I, I watched, up um, the biggest change was when I watched Rebecca, the Hitchcock film, Rebecca. Okay. Um, which was really kind of a light bulb moment for me because it already has a very similar premise to daylight again which is that a woman is like basically married into this this mysterious man's house with with this big you know he's got this big house on this um i don't remember if it's an island or if it's i think it's just like an isolated house on some right. peninsula in like new england or something yeah um or maybe it's england i can't remember but um and then she kind of uncovers all these secrets about him that he like, oh, maybe he murdered his wife. Maybe he, you know, all the, there's all these elements that are, it's based off of the novel and this very mm -hmm. thrilling mystery done by Hitchcock. And yeah. so I was like, okay, maybe I can make these more frightening elements or like the things that were very visceral and gore heavy and kind of action oriented. Maybe I can turn those sort of more into the psychological thriller element. Mm -hmm. But it still to me didn't make sense that they were cut like i i didn't like the idea that they were cousins peter and maggie and i also was like well it's difficult to juggle jackson because he's just kind of this interim character that you know why is he there and so then i watched um rewatched i should say phantom thread the paul thomas okay, anderson yep. film um yeah and that was another light bulb moment where i was like well why don't i just completely cut this jackson character out turn peter from her cousin to like a former lover that she yep. you know had a fling with five years ago kind of like a bonnie without her clyde in a way um and turn it into this kind of what starts as this sort of drama romance kind of like you know hitchcockian phantom threadish you know romantic kind of thing and then that slowly turns into this thriller and so the original cut of the film which is 15 minutes longer Mm -hmm. um, which is actually available online on my website, but it's not on YouTube. Um, that version really, you know, spent a lot more time in kind of the more romantic elements of it. Like it okay. opens on I this long. I was curious about that. Yeah. I was curious. Yeah. Yeah. So, and so you it opens with them that... kind of meeting and all this stuff. And now, was there more years, specificity blah, blah, blah. to their relationship in that? Because it was because uh, obviously in this in this final cut or this latest cut, I don't know what you're what you call it, uh, mm -hmm. what you're calling it. But in the cut that you've shared on YouTube, the one that I watched, that's barely over an hour. So it's very short. Um there's not a lot of specificity, at least mm -hmm. that I picked up, right? It's like we we only get these like small hints that they, you know, and, and it kind of unfolds like later in the film, right? We don't learn the context of their relationship very well until we're into it, you know, mm -hmm. that there was like, a, and it's just kind of in, you know, they, they speak kind of to each other vaguely enough because they aren't saying 
specifically, uh, you know, they're, they're not having to speak specifically about things that they know. But as an audience, we're just kind of getting little pieces, right? Mm-hmm. Where, you know, okay, they did have a history. Okay, they were romantic. Oh, okay, maybe they were involved in like crime together or something, right? Mm-hmm. But we don't learn these things. kind, And we don't really know, like, why is she, why is, has she left her home? And why is she kind of hiding out here in his home? Like, we don't know the specific, specifics of any of that. Was there, tell me about that choice. Yeah. Um, so the opening of the film was actually originally the scene with her mom in the kitchen yeah um, that is now a flashback um right so the film originally opens with that and so we're immediately given the context that she is on the run from the police or that she's wanted because her mother has that very distinct line of like turn yourself in um and and so we know from the get-go that she's wanted um and that was kind of a balancing act i kind of had to sacrifice like i i wanted that information to be revealed at the beginning Mm. but at the same time I felt for the sake of the story and just for the the progression of the plot and and that it mattered more to me to get more quickly into the house. And if, in fact, a friend of mine, his major note that he kept kind of saying to me that I agreed with was just like, is you know, like, is there any way to just get to that house and just open on the house? Yeah. And so I had to kind of sacrifice the larger context of her being on the run to mm. relegate that to sort of a more flashback yeah. element later yeah um but then after that a scene that's not anywhere in the movie um she winds up having to she gets like a she's at a store and she's getting materials because basically she's gonna have to sleep in her car because she has nowhere to go oh, um, yeah. and peter um bumps into her at the store and they have this whole conversation outside the store about like how things are going and he asks her to come up to dinner uh-huh. with her up to where he lives and she refuses and sort of says no it's okay um and so there's this kind of like brief little conversation that they have that gives hints and kind of explains her situation more that she's like really got nowhere to go. And then she, her car doesn't start. He drives up and sort of says like, your car's not starting. Like, why don't you just come <laughs> stay with me kind of thing. And, and she gets kind of, now she has away. no choice. Yeah. And so <laughs> while those things were like technically in a plot sense, more like in, relatively important in that like oh we're establishing the the setting and why she's there and things like that um i just sort of again i i I weighed my options and went like okay what's more important giving this really like kind of a little bit more detail into the context of the situation or just you know cutting the fat and getting it right in yeah exactly i think you were right still yeah yeah and, and there still are more like like you said there are hints to things throughout that you know it's never even in the full extended cut really explained like fully yeah. what they did i don't i don't really i wanted to keep that vague specifically because there was a point where i was like okay maybe we'll have this element where she's like really guilty about it like maybe she accidentally killed someone or something like that yeah and, and yeah. Like, that's it and then i was like no that's a that's taking too much away from it's too distracting from yeah the point of the movie and b um i didn't want to make her any she already is not designed to be super sympathetic like you're almost supposed to trust her as little as you trust peter in a way well, a little bit more than peter obviously but she's not designed to be this like darling angel yeah and so i didn't want to risk having her have done something really bad that would then just turn the audience against her so i kind of intentionally left it to like yeah they kind of did some fraud stuff and and rip some people off and, and, and like that's kind of the impression that i think came across because you know and, and that's just in casting and kind of you know 
behavior of the actors and the look of the actors. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't look at these two people and think these are hardened criminals who are murdering people. Like that's yeah. not yeah. that's just not what I see, you know, at all. They're they're younger, they're clean cut, they're good looking kids, you know. They mm-hmm. they just don't, you know, they don't impart that. That's that's not the it, uh, it's not the impression that they give from casting. So, well, and it's yeah. even I think one of the interesting things too about doing like how drastically the movie changed from the theatrical cut to the final cut um, is that I got to play with a, like what a lot of people I think that maybe aren't involved in filmmaking don't realize is how significantly not only a story can change through editing, but how you can actually alter the motivations of characters and alter things that are going on sure. just by changing the context of something. So in the yeah. original theatrical cut, Sammy, who is the guy that comes home with them from the bar, um, there's a scene where where her or him and Maggie actually have a conversation in the bar before Peter comes over and sort of says like, oh, what, like, you know, come back to our table and join us for a drink kind of thing. And so it becomes a little bit more obvious that like Peter was kind of orchestrating them to get together and to have that element happen where he's at the house and then yeah you know, um and i cut that out just mostly because i just didn't actually like the scene where they had the conversation very much but also i found that as soon as that switched it became it kind of put us in maggie's shoes a lot more where you sort of feel like oh wait while she's in the bathroom peter's gone and just got this brought this guy to their table like what's going on and you're kind of left well, in the unknown like maggie versus her yeah, kind it- of bringing him over herself i mean in in a parallel you know it's kind of parallels the theme that i talked about the kind of uh that i felt from barbarian i mean it's you know the male lead is is pretty douchey guy Mm -hmm. and you know he speaks for the woman he makes decisions for her she doesn't you know like she'll be asked a question by another character and he will answer for her Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like, you know, it's, it's very clear that she's uncomfortable about having this third person invited over to the house, but you know, she's not, she's not even asked until after the guy's been invited. So then it's, you know, what is she supposed to do? You know, it's, yeah. I hate it when, yeah. you know, it's, it's profoundly disrespectful when people do that, you know? Um, yeah. And so I, 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 get... I really wanted in the writing process too, to make that so that like, it's, it's not ultimately super clear it's not just like the script staring at you but that like every single little element of that that you just described is is like kind of in peter's grand design that he yeah. wants to piss her off so that she will have this conversation with him upstairs so that hector can come upstairs and you know bring the guy downstairs oh. and kill him and all that so um interesting so could i share with you because like from when i watch it i'm just kind of like i'm like oh this guy this is who this guy is like when mm-hmm. i'm watching the film right as an audience oh yeah I'm there's like, definitely yeah i'm just it's like well, that, that that's too. who that's who this guy is right you know he's like this guy kind of talks for women he you know doesn't ask for her opinion you know and they were even mm-hmm. a couple before so i'm like wow i can see why this woman would not want to be with this guy he's not a very nice dude you know mm-hmm. that's like as an audience right and i because i don't know anything about hector yet i don't know anything about that so yeah yeah i'm like because in my mind i'm like wait a minute what he like brought this other guy over and he's asking him if if he finds her attractive and i'm like what like this guy is horrible yeah yeah and that's that's and so yeah that's definitely it is certainly a part of like that that's what he's like um it was also kind of fun because i i got to like he is obviously way overconfident like he has a lot of hu- like you know he's he's not 
he's not dumb, but he overestimates his ability to kind yeah. of win her over in that way, and which is huh. ultimately his downfall, because I think that, like, you know, at least from my writing angle, and, and me and Devin talked about this a lot, who plays Peter, which is just that, like, he expected Maggie to be all over him to to you know and and he kind of plays this hard to get element where it's like oh you're gonna sleep in this other room like i'm not making any advances advances Mm. on you and and kind of like so she's confused about all this stuff and so he his whole thing is like okay she's gonna be really into me and want to you know join me on this endeavor again so tell me about this so tell me about this (laughs) so you know again kind of like paralleling this to barbarian right so you've got this this man and a woman they're in a house and there's kind of you know there's this tension and you know and kind of the different experiences that men and women have in these situations and there's lots of parallels there right Mm -hmm. um then then we have something going on in the basement in both Mm -hmm. films right and and I by the way I think like the location that you had I, I I'm assuming that was a totally different place that that wasn't obviously under that house but it's yes, an amazing yeah. location it was great mm-hmm. it was well shot and I really liked it um, but so many similarities to the underground uh, tunnel kind of stuff <laughs> yes, uh, in in Barbarian <laughs> but 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 what I want to talk about is okay you know we talk about in Barbarian where there's like this huge shift in uh, you know where there's this like very very quote-unquote dramatic and normal situation that anybody could imagine experiencing, right? Mm -hmm. Where two people have been booked for the same Airbnb. And we have kind of a similar thing going on for you. Outside of, you know, she's on the run from the law and they were like Bonnie and Clyde, but you have a man and a woman with kind of like a strained romantic history and they're kind of navigating that tension in in the air in between them in a confined space in a house. Mm -hmm everybody's experienced that kind you know i mean whether it was a significant other you know that you were just dating or a wife or husband or i mean we've all been there where there's some strain or conflict in a relationship at a moment mm-hmm. when you're navigating that right um but then we go downstairs i want to know where you had the idea the impetus at what point in the writing process were you like and i want you to tell tell our listeners what you put downstairs okay because sure. we haven't yeah. talked about that yet and the direction that goes to, but but what was the impetus for that? Where were you like, okay, I've got these like two people and they're normal and they're going through a relatively normal thing, slightly heightened dramatically because of like this criminal history, but for mm-hmm. the most part, very normal. And then the downstairs. Tell me about that because I'm yeah. super curious. Yeah. Um, so the, the, that actually kind of in the opposite uh, order of Barbarian, I guess, that's what came first. Um, like we knew that was when we were writing it um so tell the audience so that's why it's called hector that's why yeah so the the, the original film is called hector um which is what it's based off of the short film and this is daylight again of course but this character hector um so essentially the twist the third act twist when she gets downstairs is that she assumes this third roommate hector is somebody that has like mobility issues or or like you know severe uh, you know, like was in an accident or and something. And we've been like that. told that in in and, daylight yeah. again, right? And, the and guys Peter like the guys that, like, yeah. hey, like this, there's like, I, there's somebody down there that's kind of funky, or I forget exactly what he says, but we kind of get the impression that it's like somebody's, you know, I don't know what we like got down there, sick or but something, it's yeah. Weird, and I don't, and we hear like chains hearing, rattling yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, I mean, I, I don't know anybody that would keep a, a, a you know. A, 
differently abled person in the basement in chains. Yeah, and, no, and, exactly. And, not, and so and not and not be a horrible person. Yeah. So it's not like I feel any better about him from his description. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. this dude is freaking horrible, man. You yeah. know? Yeah. I mean, I and, hear chains down there. What? You know? <laughs> and so, yeah. So, so, and then we get down there and it's revealed that there's this kind of feral man um, living down there who, who like is, is the, the collector of, victims and butcher and all that because now now tell me the story um, of hector i want to know what's behind that more so so hector's in this dude's basement mm-hmm. or you know it's, it's and it's like a dungeon the way you've got it in the film is like this hallway and there's like rooms or you know it's almost like i mean it's like there's like a slaughterhouse tell me about that and the slide projector what images are on the wall like where did this come from like yeah so a lot of that a lot of those elements were like things that remained despite the budget being so low and things that, so like Hector um, in the original drafts of the screenplay was a more specific character in that like he was, he was kind of the third roommate. He was a little bit less feral. Why is he feral? Why is he feral? Um, yeah, that's the thing is like, Inquiring I, it's, minds it's want kind to of know. In, in the original drafts, um, it's more that he's just kind of this like abused little, little guy that the other two take advantage of <laughs> and chain up in the basement and, and has gone <laughs> insane from that, right? Um, and so the projector, the slide projector um, was a, like the original element of that was that it's supposed to be like that's his only entertainment and that's kind of what he okay. looks at as you know he just spends his entire yeah. time listening to that and listening to the yeah, really yeah, loud yeah. music that plays and there was originally going to be this whole element on the slide projector of like smut films playing and like people being chained and, oh and so gosh. that it makes him almost like enjoy that and so when she's chaining him up we were going to have like him oh. actually enjoying why that did and, you not do that why didn't you do that? um that we just awesome. like we just didn't have the a the projector that we had we couldn't afford a better one it was way too dim to uh, even display images yeah, yeah, really yeah. and b the we didn't have any real time to like yeah. shoot the images that we would have wanted to be on there um so it just yeah. kind of had to okay. be simplified just, just logistics just budgetary yeah, yeah. i mean and, um, and when i say and just to clarify it's like i mean because my barometer for like oh that's good is that when you say it i'm like disgusted right mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. you say it and i'm like there's like the pit of my stomach i'm like oh it's like nauseating to think of yeah that. and and so i that's, liked and i wish that we could have explored that more like i wish i do because i really liked those elements yeah yeah um, but i i decided to kind of leave the projector and there's a little hint to that and just sort of set like this well is it his still only... was nice i mean yeah. it's it's nice as a visual element right off the bat right mm-hmm. so it's a great it, it's 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 great just logistically from a, a lighting perspective it makes that room look really great it it worked really well and you know even though you couldn't go deeper into what that was doing and at least I was still like, ooh, you know, I mean, I, I got a hint, you know, I got a hint of that, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it was intriguing, and I was like, what's going on? You know, so I felt like that was a great touch. Um, I mean, I think that whole basement was shot really well, the, oh, the you, dungeon man. stuff. But, yeah, um, it would have really been able to, fun to have seen what you could have done if you had more money. That would have been Yeah, because, I mean, the, the original ending, too, was like, so there's the basement scene, and what's funny is that the in a way it's sort of there's like in barbarian she's cr- climbing out of the window well um right. to get out of that basement window at one yeah. point um the original way that that sequence ended in the original draft 
was that Maggie is rips open a window well, and that that's what blinds Hector, and he sort of falls back and and you know ah. recoils from well, the light, and then she crawls out of it, and then there's a whole set piece afterwards in the woods where Peter's chasing her with a knife and or with a pitchfork, I think he had, and Hector's <laughs> out there too, like they're both chasing her in the woods at dawn. Oh, so and, speaking of, yeah. I I enjoyed your cameo. And I felt oh, yes. like it was yeah. like an homage to Hitchcock or, you know, because uh, I know that you love Hitchcock. And you just admitted that it was inspired, at least in part, by Rebecca, yeah. Uh, yeah. Hitchcock's 1940 film. So uh, so I did. I like that very much, Cullen. That was awesome. That was fun to see you there. Um, but uh, I, I, I am. Um, oh, what was I going to say? I don't even know. But um, in your mind, did you have something that 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 represented so i'm always kind of curious you know kind of the way my mind works and i'm not suggesting for a second this is what has to be the way your mind mm-hmm. works or something it's everybody's got a different process but i i kind of works so symbolically um e- either in my writing or maybe sometimes it's after the fact i kind of you know i kind of write something it comes from somewhere i don't know where it comes from and then i have to kind of work backwards to figure out like what was this what this what does this mean to me why did i write it why you know if i took the time to sit down in front of a virtual digital piece of paper and write mm-hmm. this like it has to mean something doesn't it it's mean something like why why is this scary to me why is this what i put there i was just curious kind of what your thoughts are like why cannibalism why this feral guy in a basement do you I'm just, even if you yeah. maybe didn't think about it analytically consciously when you wrote it what do you think about now either so the the um it actually all kind of came from an image and i'm gonna go on a short tangent here for a second yeah do it do it which is that when i was delivering pizzas um there was this one guy that used to uh and this is right like the year i graduated high school I, i delivered pizzas for a year um there was this one guy that used to always order pizzas and he was just like the creepiest dude in the world. He was the mm. only house on the street that had mm. never had any lights on. Uh-huh. He'd always request okay. that you would go down into the backyard and deliver from the back door, which was oh down like a slope. And so Dude, the this sounds door, like you're going yeah. to be murdered. Yeah. Well, I know. I and see so why the, you would the be back scared. Door <laughs> was on the basement because it was on this slope. So it was like the basement kind of oh. opened up into the backyard. Yeah. And so I remember the first time I went, I, I went down and knocked on the back like door window, which is like a glass sliding door. And I'm looking at this room and there's this TV and I can just see the TV light flashing on this couch and everything else is dark. Just the TV light. The room is just illuminated by this TV and the couch is empty to my eyes. Yeah. And then suddenly the couch chart starts shifting and moving <laughs> and this man like grows <laughs> out of this couch and kind oh. of, and it was just the most unsettling. Yeah image and yes i so i was like that's really weird and that that that. has stuck with me since that happened yeah Um, and it almost reminded me of in you know not the lighting or anything but in in nosferatu herzog's nosferatu and floats into the room and he's got like his yes elongated hands it's really and you know what else it reminds me of Mm, and i don't know if and i because i feel like and maybe this is even connected to nosferatu but halloween carpenter's original halloween Mm -hmm. where we we have uh jamie lee curtis's face in the foreground and in the background we have like a couch or it's like a living room and and michael myers just like Mm -hmm. rises straight up and it's like the physicality of the way he rises up is almost like a floating it's almost, and it, and it almost feels like animatronic in a way. It's yes. It's like this it, uncanny it, it, ro- yep, yep, movement. It, it, and so, 
So that yeah. image stuck with me for eight, and I was like, I've got to include that in a, a movie somehow. Okay. Um, someday. And so, so that if, was really the spark of it was just, I was trying to figure out what, like, I had this image in my mind. And yeah. so that initially, that became the first shot of, of Hector when he's kind of crawling out of the shadows and you can't really see him Yeah. Um, on that first, you know, when now she the, first And the cannibal the part, I mean, was that like, okay, I've got to have him do something or be something that's scary? And yeah, that, and, yeah. So and, that wasn't, um, that came from, in the original short film, there's nothing to do with Hannibal's or cannibals at all. Hannibal's. Yeah. Um, it was just a matter of, I think we had been looking at Texas Chainsaw and things like that. And we were like, well, we need like it, what we kind of thought that the element that made us laugh the most about Texas Chainsaw was that they almost had this like cannibal business. Yeah. And they so we sold, were like, well, what did, if we take that chili? to like they won the chili yeah. cook off or something. Yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and it's like, well, what if we kind of take that to the next level and, and have like these three roommates that like each of them has a different role in this business. And so Jackson's role initially was like the cook. Peter would go out and he was a real estate agent and he would bring people in, in into oh these like, places and they would get killed there. And um, so there was this whole business going up and that still is kind of alluded to in the movie when like the guests are over and then the one guest is like, when's your next buy time? And so once you kind of see it and realize that they're cannibals, it kind of makes sense that, oh, those people are buying human meat. Um, and so, but that was kind of the, the interest for us was like this, this <laughs> funny idea of like this cannibal business and like yeah. this like at home, you know, just family business of, of, of cannibals, very again, similar to Texas Chainsaw. Yeah. And so again, because the, that original, original script too was very, a lot more funny, like it was a lot more Sam Raimi in that way where it was, it was like fun and exciting and over um, the top and yeah. And yeah. And so, so it just, we were just throwing all these things and we were like, well, what if this happens and this happens? And, and, uh, you know, what if in the, there's just like a butcher's table in the basement with all this meat on it. And, um, which of course is still in the final movie. Um, and so I think that it, it kind of, again, went through this odd, you know, sine wave of like going really over the top and then having to get you know, pulled yeah. back due to pulled budget. Back. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But the, again, those scarier elements to me are just, there's like, I, I, I don't know if you picked up on it, but there's the way that I shot the first, you know, three or four minutes of her in the basement is just alien. Um, you know, it's just Ripley and alien going down the hallway with a low mm. camera on a dolly looking up at her kind of silently walking through these hallways and and i didn't make that conscious connection but i can see that now as you describe it i but i didn't i I, mm -hmm. I didn't like say oh alien shot but yeah and and the original cut of the movie too not the one that's available online but like my first rough draft i actually had the alien alarm like the nostromo alarm sound going off the the entire time she's in the basement um, and that became the song that Hector uses later, which do- that song was originally going to be through the whole scene, but I found that it just kind of wore itself out if it was too long. So I had to yeah. start at the end when the projectors knocked over. Um, but yeah, it was originally going to be this, like, there's something really scary to me about like being in a, a dark hallway with blaring noise and you can't hear anything sure. coming up on you. You don't know what's going on. Yeah. Um, and so that it really, again, the, the movie really revolved around that final set piece and it basically became a writing the writing became a matter of like how do i get these people okay. to that how do point? you get there um, so so riddle me this batman now that yes, you've seen yes. barbarian <laughs> 
don't know. I don't know why. <laughs> I, I, my, I feel like my dad used to say that to me when I was a kid. Well, so, I say riddle me this a lot. <laughs> so, uh, so props to my pops. Uh, but he, my parents had some fun sayings. But yeah, that's uh, anyway. So riddle me this, Batman. Uh, a- after having seen Barbarian and gone through the process, you know, of of not just one but two cuts of of your film. Like, what do you feel like you, uh, you, and you had mentioned this earlier, this is what put this in my head to ask, what do you feel like Barbarian did where you're like, oh, I wish I would have done that? Were there any moments like, oh man, you know, you'd kind of hinted that maybe there were some pieces that you thought you could have learned from Barbarian, maybe for, if you were going to make the film again, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of thing. No, I think, um... I think that there's a few things. Yeah. So in terms of the basement, I think that the energy that Barbarian has in the mm-hmm. basement is is more exciting than, yeah. than what I have. Like I think that And there's, there's some great like, editing. I, I do want to yeah. say this. I, I real quickly, sorry to interrupt, but no, no worries. There's some great editing in the ba- in the tunnel scenes when characters are being chased. It's hard to catch because the cuts are kind of matched to the flickering light. Mm-hmm. right it goes light dark light dark i can't remember exactly i don't know if it's like a flashlight's being yeah the flashlight's mal- or, malfunctioning or but something, the cuts yeah. are almost but not quite hidden in that flickering light source so mm-hmm. that they're kind of almost halfway halfway uh hidden so that it's like a stutter effect Did yeah you notice that yeah and it extremely effective very good editing but so, yeah sorry. And, i mean so, so yeah. that's that's the thing right is that like i i would have loved to in the script that that basement scene is much more expanded much bigger um but we literally we had to with that basement that entire basement set piece was shot in about six hours in a single day yeah um like we had we just i just couldn't afford yeah more time so we had to i had to simplify it as much as possible um and the so yeah like that that is one specific thing is i wish i could have brought back that kind of high octane energy to the basement and and expanded that set piece um the other thing is uh and i tried to do this in the re-edit but establishing the kind of uncanny dangers of the situation a little bit earlier yeah um you know there's a lot of i think because it went through that kind of phantom thread phase with with like a lot of the romance and that's what the script was yeah um, okay there's there's kind of a 10 minute break where it is sort of more focused on them as characters and their past and their history and their relationships yep. and things like that. And so I think it being it in that worked in the phantom thread, more phantom thready kind of theme, but the re-edit is a lot more geared towards the thriller elements. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I would have liked to have had the just, just more, creepiness in the house just a little bit mm. more uncanniness and mm-hmm. and kind of you know unsettling things at night kind of... and because those those the moment actually so in the one of the opening scenes of the movie right after they get back from the restaurant and then he goes upstairs from the couch and she's in the kitchen and walks by the vent and hears the chains that scene is actually in the original cut like 50 minutes into the movie like that happens right before the morning that she goes into the basement Mm-hmm. Um, but I decided to move that scene way forward and actually works. Like there's nothing in it that would signify that it was, you know, right. shot later or, or set later. Um, but I moved that forward because I was like, I need to establish these more frightening elements just more up front. Yeah. Um, be- it's so extremely I, I, yeah. difficult. Yeah. It's extremely mm-hmm. difficult, you know, and it's why people at like Hitchcock are so revered for it when yeah. you're good at it yeah. consistently to, to, to maintain 
and 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 even kind of ratchet tension mm-hmm. that's enjoyable for an audience to watch and mm-hmm. experience is such a tightrope because it's because you're dealing with something that's unsettling, right? I mean, by the very nature of the fact that it's tension, it's it's a uns it's a, it's an unpleasant experience in your body physically. That you know, mm-hmm. anxiety. It's literally it's causing anxiety in the audience, right? And and to play that negative emotion in a way that's actually enjoyable for the audience is challenging, and to be able to maintain it and to manipulate it, you know. Yeah. Well, is, there's is two things on that difficult. too. Is is that um, I remember right after we actually finished shooting the film, um, when I was kind of editing it, I rewatched Psycho, mm-hmm. and you know, Psycho is one of my favorite movies. I've seen it a million times, but I hadn't seen yeah. it in in quite a while, and there was even like bits of psycho that i wish i had kind of used in it which is just that you know making peter a little bit more of a psych like actually having him twist that knife a little bit more and and rather than sort of appearing like a like a relatively normal guy um that like as she gets back with him that like oh something has snapped with him and there's kind of that that side of him kind of comes out and, and and i think that that's one thing i would have liked but even the second thing I wanted to say was that, um, you know, when it came to that uh, basement scene, um, I the the moment that I show up again when I'm like in you're the, down there, you yeah, know, I'm in my my underwear. <laughs> um, right. I like what I wanted was actually Sammy, the guy which is the, by the way the because people can't see it, but that yeah. is actually how you do every podcast episode. Yes, which, yeah, yeah, I'm in a, so I'm a... it's. I wasn't surprised <laughs> at all to see you dressed no, that's like just, that, I'm covered in blood, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's like I, people don't. We don't release video of this; it's just Ooh. audio. But yeah, anyway, so just so the audience knows, I mean, this is just normal you. Yeah, if you, you see the movie, that's just, what I look like. Yeah, you probably just but... jumped from behind the camera, right? You're directing, <laughs> you're shooting. You just. I actually from did direct the... most of the scene like yeah, that, you, but you... that, but that scene was. That scene was a late addition. Um, so I had shot the movie. That was a reshoot. Yeah. Um, because I wanted, I realized that, um, like, the basement scene worked, and everyone who had seen the movie and at the premiere and stuff was like, they loved the basement scene, and that was all the feedback I got was about that it was really well done. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, well, I need, I feel like I want to expand that. And I, my number, my first preference was to have Sam come back and have him be the guy that, that is, chained up in the basement and found and um and you know but he was in he was traveling somewhere so he was unavailable so i was like okay well i played the jogger earlier on so i'll just say that that's who's down there and again it's one of those things that like we had again i could only afford about two hours to rent location yeah so we had two hours to shoot both that that, like that entire sequence so difficult not the full basement sequence but just the point that i come back um and so ideally I would have had like, I would have been chained up somewhere or in a cage or something like that. And we would have yeah. made a bigger show of that. But, yeah. um, on the inverse though, I actually kind of do think that one of the scarier moments in the movie and I edited it, so I don't really get like scared of it. But one of the moments that I think is, is scarier is when she turns on the flashlight and I'm just there. Um, <laughs> I feel like that's kind of a start. It's a good jump. Bit, it's a good so. jump scare. Yeah. 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 Yeah, excellent. Well, I, I mean, I, I think you should be proud of it. I think it's a really fun film. I don't think I've seen the other cut. It might be interesting. No, I don't to think. I think this is the first one that you've seen. Yeah. Yeah, this is the first one I've seen, so I don't have anything to compare it to. But I, I'll, I it sounds like you said that your the full cut is on your website. Um, mm-hmm. Do you want to give that address again, just so people can yeah, check so that out? Yeah, so it's postromopictures.com. 
Okay. Um, Postromo is spelt like the Joseph Conrad novel, no Stromo, but with a P instead. There you um, go. Uh, yeah. Excellent. So yeah, if anybody wants to check out that or just like other other content that you've got on your website, they can do that. But uh, yeah, well, it's fun. It's fun to get a chance to kind of compare two similar films, especially mm-hmm. when one of the authors of the one of those films is here with us today, which is you. So that's yeah, ex- and it's, it's that's so extremely it's fun. Funny talking about a lot of this stuff because it's been yeah, so like it's been over a year and a half since we actually shot it and all that yeah so well let me let's let's end with this so you know especially for the aspiring filmmakers who might be listening out there share with us i'm gonna put you on the spot share Mm -hmm. with us like what do you think was the most significant thing you learned from having gone through the process of writing directing and post on this picture and and i think this is your first feature right yeah 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 okay so first feature so so what did you learn? What was the most significant thing you feel like you took away from this experience? Um, this actually is a, is a easier question to answer than I would have expected, but because yeah. I've actually shot my second feature at this point, um, okay. is be have more faith in being personal, I think is, is my biggest and, advice. And which when is you that, say personal, do you mean in the content? Yeah, yeah. Tell me and what so, you mean. Yeah. So I, so this, so daylight again was was again shot obviously really no budget, mm-hmm. and I was so focused on making it as efficient as possible to shoot. I shot listed it meticulously. I yeah. wanted every because we had no time to do a lot of stuff. I was like, we nothing can go wrong, and nothing did go wrong. The, the shoot was actually really really smooth, and everyone had a great time, and um, which is you know not a lot of first features that have no budget turn out like that and so i was really proud right. of that um but i think now having done that and knowing that i can do that i have so much more faith in myself as a director that i know i can take bigger choice make bigger po- choices be more personal with it i don't have to worry about it just being marketable and and you know getting out there and being like a, an easy to digest kind of audience thing um that i feel like i can i can shot list less meticulously that I can show up on set and mm. make those decisions on set and um because I know I can make them now yeah um so I think yeah be be personal like don't be afraid to you know even if you are meticulously shot listing don't be afraid to uh make bold choices and kind of have faith in yourself that you can pull those off rather than just simplifying everything to the nth degree mm. um and 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 kind of making it very efficient and shootable yeah. um, because that yeah. was definitely what I was prioritizing Gotcha. Um, and I look at it now and I'm like, I wish, you know, I, I would have made a million different choices if I had shot that movie now, knowing what I know from shooting yeah. it the first time. So, And I think that's common. I think that's, you know, it's like you kind of, I, I think in any art form, right, you have to kind of have the groundwork of, of just the bare logistics, right? You kind of mm-hmm, have to mm-hmm. get the craft down. You have to to get the, the bones of what's going on under, you know, get it down, get it, get it in your bones so that you kind of you can do it and then the layer on top of that is okay next step is all right my voice how do i express myself what mm-hmm. am i saying right and everything from your writing to your shot list to your cat to you know the allowing the uniqueness of you to 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 now come through in your yeah. work because yeah. you the know last thing that I'll you say, can manage sorry, go it. ahead I was yeah, just yeah. going to say cuz you know you cuz you know you know how to get your day, right? Now that you now that you know you can get your day every day and you're doing exactly, well with that. Exactly. Now, and we always and the other thing too, yeah, exactly. We came in ahead of schedule like yeah. 9 out of 10 times. So so I know yeah. that I can take a little bit more time to 
could do more. But the last thing I will say to tie it all up is that I have never had a more visceral experience in a movie theater than when she opened that door and saw the labyrinth in the basement. And I was like, oh my God, this is daylight again. <laughs> like I initially thought it a little bit. I was like, oh, this is funny. It's two people in a house and all that. And then she opens that door to the basement and I was like, oh my God, it's really going to do this now. And it was just <laughs> the most, like my, I, I was completely bought into the movie for the rest of it. So <laughs> that's um, awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. All right, man. Well, everybody out there listening, as always, thank you so much for uh, listening to us babble on about movies for mm -hmm. an hour and 21 minutes here. We appreciate you. We hope you enjoyed it. Cullen, as always, uh, I had a blast, and uh, I get to pick film for next time. Yes, you so do, yeah. we'll see what that will be. All right, everybody. Take care. Have a safe couple weeks. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Yeah,